enable ourselves to close our external eyes to what we see around us and to open up our deep, deep internal eyes to try to plug into something, something more, something deeper. Music is an absolutely incredible tool. And the Svasama says, what's so special about music? What is it about music? That takes us to such a place that's able to touch us in a way that nothing else is quite able to, to impact us on such a level. And the Heliga Svasama says, he says, if you look around and you think, he says, every song has a high part and a low part. And he says, every person has a high part and a low part. And the way that we experience those high parts and those low parts is that maybe the high part is part of a melody, uh, but that low part is, it's not on the sheet of music. It's not something we think we want to sing. It doesn't impact us in a way that we feel like singing. But the tzaddik says that when Jews sit around, And they connect in this way of melodies, low parts, high parts. So all of the lowliness in our lives, all of the mistakes and the failures and the difficulties and the struggles and the lack of self-confidence and the self-doubt. When we're singing that low part and that high part, we realize that it's all a melody and that the beauty of what it means to be human and the beauty of what it means to be a Jew is to be nuanced, is to have those times that we're up, is to have those times that we're down and we try our best. But this is what it is to be a Jew in 2021. The first deviance in creation involved a tree. Because the master of the world told the tree, or all trees, that they were supposed to produce fruits that had such an impact in terms of what they tasted like, what they were, that the tree was supposed to taste like the fruit as well. And the deviance of the tree was that the bark is tasteless, bitter. I'm going to talk a lot about that, Bezer Hashem. And that the fruits are sweet, but the bark is bitter and the tree doesn't taste very good at all. Writes in our Satchuva Parakvav. That the depth of this is what does it mean a fruit? What does it mean a tree? The Tzaddik says that a tree is a growth process. The goal is not the tree. The tree is a process. It's part of that process to bring forth fruit. Says of Cook, you know what it means? That in an ideal world, the tree tastes like the fruit. It means that in an ideal world, the process that we experience as we journey toward a goal, with all of the hardship and all the mistakes and all the difficulties and the challenges and the struggles, 
is already supposed to be illuminated by the light of that end result. But we don't experience it that way. And the deviance of creation means not that the tree is bitter. It's very, very bitter. And on Tuba Shabbat, when we're celebrating the tree, we're trying to bring ourselves back to that place. And I bless us all that in this time that we have to sit together, and I hope that you'll join me with all of your hearts and souls and voices and, and just everything, just you, bring you to the table. Is to be able to realize that just for a couple of minutes, the process that brought us to where we are right now, each and every one of us, nuanced people with pasts and presents and futures and traumas and visions and beliefs and experiences and memories, that each and every one of you sitting in a chair is a world, is a universe. And it's such a privilege and an honor to be able to sit in your presence, each and every one of you. It's for this time that we're sitting together. Let's try to put those two together. Let's try to attain some sort of deep, intuitive feeling that the tree tastes like the fruit and that the process is sweet and necessary and elevated and beautiful and it's part of the master plan. So I hope that Be'ezer Hashem, you'll join me and let's try to accomplish something together. Before we begin, I want to thank the Anhal of the Yeshiva for making this possible. I want to thank the Holy Gate. It's a hard act to follow. I don't know that there's anything else that I need to say. Such a beautiful tyrant. Let's begin, Chavra. Ha ha ha! 
us to be able to live in a world where there's two sides and there's night in one place and there's day in another place and Chazi Hashem. While it may not be Tu B'Shvat right now, right here, but Tu B'Shvat is still in the world. And it was the way of Hasidim, Dafka on a yard side or on a special day when something important was going on. They would Dafka make that Suda, they would make that get together, that Fabrengen, that Isvados. Toward the night time, when the day was leaving, and then they would draw it into the following day. And so I think this is also, even though we didn't start before Shkia, but we were definitely thinking about it, we were definitely preparing for it, and so in a certain way it's still Tu when it comes to Tuvishvat, there aren't that many songs that we can sing. There are psukim that talk about fruits and trees. But one song comes from a Gemarantinus, Elon, Elon, Bamel, One of the Tanoim says to the other as he's taking leave, he says, What can I bless you with? That your shade should be able to be something that people are taking refuge in. Ah, so your tree's already shady. And that perisechem is sukkim, that the fruit should be sweet. The fruits are already sweet. Well, what can I bless you with? So he said, Ela Yihiratzayim, the blessing that I can give you is that kol peira is yoytzim mimcha yu that all of the fruits that come from you should be exactly just like you. And I think that in a certain way, allegorically, when we look at the master of the world and we want to give him a bracha in the same way that we want to receive a bracha from him. And Chavar, I'll just to remind you, the only way we can receive the bracha is mamish to try, to try. I know it's hard. Mamish, absolute silence. If we can, if we can ask. We look up at the Rebbeinu Shalom and we say, Rebbeinu Shalom, how can we, how can we bless you? What can we give you? What can we dream to give you? Tzilchana, retzilchana, Kodesh Baruch Hu is perfect. Shalom, kolmeni, shleimus, infinite. 
Teresecha Mesukim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running the world in the sweetest, most wonderful, beautiful way. So what can we give him? When we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we say the blessing that we give you is, is that all your children should mamish be like you. That every single Jew should be shining with that light of infinite mercy, infinite patience. Hashem Hashem kal racham v'chanam. That we should all have that, we should all taste that. And that we should treat our children, Beis Hashem, each and every one of us in the room, should be zochet to raise beautiful doros, yisharim, beautiful families, Beis Hashem. And we should be able to be toward our children one, one ounce, or with one ounce of the patience and love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for us, that we should be like Him. But I think there's a deeper meaning also. That children doesn't just mean a child, a biological child. Each and every Jew is a tzaddik. And it means that every action, every thought, and every word is, in a certain sense, is an aspect of a child. It's something that we produce. It's something that we create. And the saddest thing in the world is that every single person is uttering how many thousands of words, maybe even in a few hours, but certainly in a day. And how many thoughts we think and how many actions we take. And the question becomes, are our children like us? Are these actions, are these thoughts, are these words rooted in our deepest essence? Do they express who we really are deeply, deeply inside and what we really want beyond all of the external facades and all of these manners in which we express ourselves? But the real us, deep, deep, deep within, that place that's vulnerable, that place that's feeling, still that's feeling, that child inside, that's sweet, that's innocent, that's pure. When we act, is it us acting? Is it us thinking when we think? Is it us speaking when we speak? And so this is the bracha that I give you and I give myself and I give all of Am Yisrael, that our children should be like us. That every expression through which we express ourselves should be rooted in the deepest essence of who we are and our purpose in this world, our mission. And life is so short, however, each and every one of us should live by Israel Shemple 120 in good health. But life is not, is not certain, it's not a certain thing. Right now, a very close Rebbe of mine is in very serious condition. And this getting together should also be a Soros for Rachamim, for him, and for all of Choli Ami Yisrael, of the Yehudavid ben Masha, Yisrael. But life is not certain. And so we have to appreciate it and we have to make every moment count. Mamish, every moment count. So I don't know if all the Chavra know this song, but those that know it can join me with all your heart and soul. Yeah. 
another song. I don't know how many of the Chaver know it. I assume that some of you do. There was an album, I think it was last year, maybe it was already two years, that was put out by students of my Rebbe, many of our Rebbe, Rabbi Moshe Weimar Gershlita, from Eish Kodesh and Woodmere. 
Some of his uh, favorite songs that were composed by a composer by the name of Michal Shapiro, a very special person, enormously special songs, and I had the tremendous and unimaginable privilege of being able to be a part of it. And on this album is a song called The Avas Oilan, An Everlasting Love. And so I want to just say the words first, and we're going to sing it together. It's such a deep, deep, deep niggin. And one more time, I, I apologize to keep on asking my mamish that we could try our best, our best. I know it's hard to have, to have absolute silence. I know it's hard. So the words are, V'avas oila mahavtich. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells each and every one of you, and each and every one of us, and each and every Jew throughout history, I love you with an eternal love. And Kodesh Baruch Hu draws us with kindness, with love, to the point that Haharim Yamushu let the hills become a race. Fagvos Timuten on the mountains of the world are shaking, just like they are now at this very moment. That the whole entire social order of the world is being threatened and shaken to its core. But if there's one thing that remains certain, ever certain, forever, everlasting, it's a Kaddish Baruch Hu's love for us, and He loves us and adores us, each and every one of us. And the proof is that we're sitting here, that we're alive, that we're breathing. It's not stam, it's not by accident how much energy it takes for our Kodesh Baruch Hu to be pumping us with life. Each and every one of us is a universe, like I mentioned before, is a world. What we're capable of when we sell ourselves short, like Abe spoke about, to have a moon on ourselves, we sell ourselves short. And that neshama that we think that we have inside of us, that we think is the sum total of our personality, machshava dibar maisa, nefesh ruach neshama, is a tiny percentage of who we really are and how enormous we are and what we can accomplish. Every single person sitting here can change the world and will, and will. And to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is embracing us every moment. And when I try to describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu to my two-year-old, I'm telling him all the time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always hugging you all the time. And wherever you go, you're walking on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hug and his embrace. So please join me. Yeah, give up, 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 give up
Nassim Breslover's Chusya Gunalenu, Rabbi Nachman's primary disciple. What Yoshua was to Moshe Rabbeinu, what Rabbi Chaim Vital was to the Arizal, what the Magad of Israel was to the Baal Shem HaKadosh. Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nassim is one, is one team, is one unit. The Shemesh and the Levana, the sun and the moon, unified as one. And so if it's Rav Nassim's Negin, it's also Rav Nachman's Negin. And there's so much, there's so much Simcha, and there's so much Tamimus, and there's so much Breslovkite in this song. Of course, it's in minor. And I hope, however, that you'll join me, those that know it, but it's a relatively easy song to pick up. Ashrinu <laughs> matayim <laughs> 
the first two parts, let's do it again, slow. We are
To try a little bit to understand what it is, what it is to Bishvat, what is this mysterious day, what is this mysterious Chag, which like we mentioned before is still in the world very strongly. In this week's parasha, parasha is Bishalach, Shabbos Shira, and the Shabbos of Song. It's a minute, you know, to put out uh, to put out some food for the birds before Shabbos, Arab Shabbos Shira. One of the reasons given, one of the tzaddikim says the most beautiful thing. <clears throat> he says a mashal. He says there was a king that had, I don't know, maybe even had a choir that sang, sang nicer than you have. I doubt it. But he had mamish choirs and orchestras and 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 every kind of beautiful musical accompaniment and symphony that he could ever dream of and. And think about. On moments notice, he snaps his fingers. He has a philharmonic orchestra in his throne room. But this king was also not just an externally grand person, but he had an inner life. He had an inner life, like all of us have, and like all of us should cultivate, which we're going to talk about now a little bit. And in this inner life, he had a place that he liked to escape to, away from everything just to contemplate, just to focus, to realize that Al-Kalpanam, he's a human being, Basar Adam, and what life's really all about, like what is it? What, what, what is this? What is this experience of human beings sitting next to each other on chairs, being able to communicate, being able to connect? What, what are we? We have no saga ever. We take it for granted, like, oh, a human being. I say it all the time, like, it's such a strange thing that we go to zoos to look at animals, they should really come and, and gawk at us. How powerful and wonderful we are. And so he would escape, he would escape away to a little hut that he had deep in the forest behind the palace. And in this hut, there wasn't anything particularly special. It was an empty little hut, maybe even dilapidated, maybe not designed for a king. Maybe that's why he liked it so much. But there was one thing in this little hut, and it was a songbird. And the king used to go, he used to 
leave his palace and all the majesty and all the beauty, and he would go to this little hut, and he would sit and he would listen to the songbird. And there was one time where something remarkably wonderful happened for the king or for the, uh, for the kingdom. Something worked out, they won a war, they conquered a new land, something happened. And all of the servants were sure that the king's going to snap his fingers and awaken all of these uh, wonderful bands and orchestras that he had. But the king said, no, no. He said, at this moment, I don't want to be anywhere else but listening to my songbird. And he left it all and he sat alone. Alone with this songbird that wasn't so beautiful, but to him was the most beautiful thing in the world. And this tzaddik said, I can't remember right now who it was, but the tzaddik said that that's exactly how it was, Bashir Hayam. He says, the master of the world has thousands and thousands of legions and myriads of angels that sing the most glorious songs. We have Noah Sagar, Menachem, and Breslov, and Sichas around describes one of these malachim, how it sings, it has a thousand heads, and each head has a thousand mouths, and each mouth sings a thousand songs in a thousand languages all at once. This was one malach. I did the math one time, it comes out like three trillion songs or something. Three trillion voices. And at the time of Shira Sayyama, Kadesh Baruch Hu left all of that, and he said, I want nothing more than to listen to these broken human beings singing Ashir Lashem Ki Kaikah, Baruch Hu leaves it all behind, he says, I want nothing more than to sit with my songbird. I love more than anything, and Chavar, he loves us. I can't impress it upon you enough, and it sounds cliche. He loves us. And so, Shabbos year, we're putting out food for the birds to remember that we have that relationship with him, that we're this little songbird. That we might not look so grand, we might not be so fancy or majestic, or it might be a little bit dirty, and it might be 2021 and coronavirus and anxiety and stress and brokenness and all the challenges all of us are going through. But when the king is the most joyous, he comes to visit us. He comes to our little hut. And he reawakens that intimacy that he has with us, Dafka, as we are Dafka, not despite the brokenness, but because of it. But because of it because he wants nothing more than to be lonely with all of us that feel lonely. <coughs> this week's Parsha, Parsha's B'Shalach, a packed Parsha. Obviously, Shir Sayyam, Naman. We find an episode of the bitter waters at Murrah. Strange thing, what does this mean? The water was bitter, because Baruch told Moshe to throw something in. Sweeten the waters, what's the whole soda, what's going on? Obviously there's thousands of meanings, layers of depth. When the Pasuk says, by Yireu Eitz, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe Rabbeinu an Eitz, which means a tree. And he told Moshe Rabbeinu to throw the Eitz into the, into the bitter waters, and by and the waters became sweet. Listen to this Tyra Chavra. It's brought from a few of the tzaddikim. Told us Yaakov Yosef, Yaakov Machin Ephraim, others, in different ways. Ein Mayim, Elatayra. 
The Torah Akdash is associated with water. Just like water naturally flows to the lowest place, so the Torah flows to the most broken person, to the most humble person, to the most sincere and honest and vulnerable person. What does it mean, Chavra? That the waters were bitter at Marah. What does it mean that the water that's symbolizing the, the Torah Daisha tasted bitter to Am Yisrael? Zacha sam chayim loy zacha sam maves, as Chazal tell us, that a person can be unfortunate enough to have an experience of Torah where it's bitter, where there's nothing more bitter in the world and there's nothing that we want to run away from as much as the Torah. What was taught to Am Yisrael by Mara? Few mitzvahs were given. Shabbos was installed by Mara. Paraduma. Chazal tell us. What does it mean that Am Yisrael said that the waters are bitter? It means that Am Yisrael looked at Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, and they said, you took us out of Mitzrayim. You promised us everything that we're going to be. And instead you give us like a bunch of laws, a bunch of rules. What I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do. Green lights, red lights. Every single moment of my life, like the, uh, the classic you know, Jewish guilt that we should feel on our shoulders every single moment. Like this is what it's all about. Am Yisrael couldn't understand. Like what, what is this that you promised us? Let us go back to Mitzrayim. It was better for us there. But the waters were bitter means that Am Yisrael experienced the Torah as being something. As being something disjointed from what they knew in the deepest depth of their hearts that this journey was supposed to be and that it can't be that this is what it is it can't be that this is the sum total of the master of the world's master plan and creation that he brings this book into the world simply as a rule book to tell me what to do and what not to do and what I'm allowed to do and kosher, puzzle, tami, tar, husr, mutter and the waters were bitter they said it's not doing it for us What does it mean that a Kaddish Baruch Hu showed Moshe the Eitz? Eitz Chaim Hilam Achazikimba. The Pasuk describes the Torah as a tree of life for those who grab hold of it. There's another kind of tree also, is the Eitz Chaim. Eitz Chaim Hilam Achazikimba. And there's also an Eitz Adas Toiverah, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Chav are commanded not to eat from the Eitz Hadas Taibirah, but to eat from the Eitz HaChaim, the Sfarmak Toshim Beis and Some say for others, say an amazing thing that had Adam and Chava eaten from the Eitz HaChaim, then they would have been able to eat from the Eitz Hadas. Nothing, uh, nothing would have damaged them. There would have been no pgam. If they would have eaten from the Eitz HaChaim first, Eitz Hadas Taibirah would have been muttered to them. Others say, if they would have waited until Shabbos, okay, it's the same machina. It's a different way of expressing it. What's the Eitz Chaim? What's Eitz Chaim Hilam Achazikim? But doesn't just mean that the Torah is a tree of life to those that hold on to it. But the essence of the Eitz Chaim, the essence of the life that is to be found in Torah, is in this that it's Lamachazikim, that it gives us something to hold on to. 
That it's more than simply words on a page and rules in a book. But that in every single moment of life, the Torah is this living stream. That from every word and every letter and every nekud and every halacha and every medrash and every chapter in a Musr Sefer and every Torah in a Hasidish Sefer is screaming to us, There's a purpose to our pain. There's a master plan behind all of this that doesn't seem to go our way, it's going his way with a capital H. That it's a eitz chayim hi lamachazikim Something to hold on to. Then in the darkest moments and in the most joyous times. The Torah is surrounding us, embracing us, holding us up. Giving us strength every single moment. To know that we're in a relationship with the master of the world. That he's not simply our king. We have, to, we have to heed his decrees or obey his commandments. And he's not even just our father, which is high enough, beautiful enough. But the whole shira shirin, which is the deepest intimacy between spouses, that silence that's described in shira shirin in very graphic terms, is the essence of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us in this world because he's begging us to enter into a relationship. To realize that He's calling out to us. And that the Torah is not commanded upon us as much as it's an opportunity for intimacy with the infinite being, with the infinite creator, with eternity. And that on perhaps deeper level than that, which is of course a part of marriage, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us, Lamana Chai Verei, that the master of the world is our best friend in the world. And then until we get in touch with the Torah of Eitz Chaim Hi Lama that I realize that it's not just for when things are going good and I'm in a Shas Aliyah and things are working out and my Chavrusas are great and I'm learning well and I'm davening okay. Then I'm serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Then I have this business dealing with him, sort of. You know, I'm, I'm in that realm of having something to do with him. But there's not one area of life, the most mundane and the most lowly aspects of our being and of our existence and our personality, and all of us are so multifaceted. All of us are so deep, each and every person. It's so amazing for me just to look at the faces and, and realize that, that behind these eyes and this nose and this mouth is, is a whole universe, a whole universe. Each and every one of us. That behind all of this is this friendship that we have. That even when things are going poorly, maybe Dafka when things are going poorly, we have this best friend to turn to. We can tell him anything in our own language at any time. And to be like that king who leaves his palace and finds his little hut. Just to connect to the songbird. No airs, nothing fancy, no shuckling, no stacks of svarim. None of that stuff. Just real, sincere, honest, open, vulnerable, deep. To open up. 
and to shift the way in which we're looking at the Torah, to see it in the context of a relationship as an opportunity, as opposed to something that's a chore or a task, or something that we just do because we were raised to do it. Moshe Rabbeinu is commanded to take the Eitz, to take the Eitz Achayim, the Eitz Chaim Yilam Achazikim Ba. Ah, the Eitz Chaim Yilam Achazikim Ba. You could sweeten the bitterness of the Eitz Adas Toivera, that all of the Torah is just to know what to do, what not to do, a rule book. The Zohar Kaddish calls the mitzvahs, not 613 commandments, but Taryag Atin De Oraisa, 613 pieces of advice. That there are 365 ways of getting close to God by not doing certain things. And there are 248 ways of getting close to God by doing certain things. And to build our relationship, to open ourselves up, He wants us. He desperately wants us. He yearns for us. He longs for us. He's calling to us every moment. Hashem loves us. How exciting it is to wake up every morning. That's a chore. We dread it. To be able to go to a shacharis and to have a direct line to talk to the master of the world. To be able to tell him our deepest, deepest, darkest secrets that we couldn't tell any other human being. But HaKadosh Baruch already knows us and understands us already. And that's why it's called Hamakom, Rabbi Nachman explains in Tinyana Torah, Aleph. That Hashem is called the place. What does this mean, the place? Says the, says the mission in Perkeavis. Don't judge your friend until you're standing in his place. Because we might be in the same yeshiva, we might even come from the same yeshivas previously, we might even be next to our neighbors growing up. But each of us, like I keep on saying, is it operates completely independent of anybody else in his own world, in his own universe. And so never judge somebody until you're standing in his shoes because you can't be standing in his shoes and occupying the very same place that he's occupying. Only he can occupy that place. And that's that not just space in a physical sense, but metaphorically, theologically, philosophically. But there's one person who can judge. And the master of the world has a Rosh Hashanah, has a Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanais. How could he judge? Doesn't Hashem keep his own Torah? How could a Kodesh Baruch judge? He tells us, I don't judge somebody else. And here he comes judging us every year. But the answer is, is that our not being able to judge someone else is contingent upon the fact that we cannot stand in their place or experience what they've experienced. And therefore, have you done us call them likavs Judge people favorably. Because were you to be standing in their shoes, you wouldn't be judging them. Because you'd realize that at the source of any anger, at the source of any uncouth behavior, at the source of any lowliness, is a lot of pain. And we can never understand what's happening in the heart of another Jew. But the master of the world is called Hamakayim. That a Kodesh Baruch Hu is the place. And that all place takes place within him, Kivyachom. And the Mamalikal Alman, he fills all worlds. And he surrounds all worlds. So Kodesh Baruch Hu could judge. Kodesh Baruch Hu is in our place. And he gets us. He deeply gets us.
He was with us long before we ever thought of him. And I bless us to think of him every moment of every day. Now he was with us from the womb. And he's experienced everything that we've experienced along with us. So Kodesh Baruch who can judge. And when we think of Hashem in that way, how beautiful it is to open up and to tell him everything. Everything, everything, everything. Speak to him. Shira, shirim. Eitz chayim hilam that's a different Yiddishkeit. That's a different Yiddishkeit. This chavra is Rosh Hashanah Ilanais. This is what it means that we're being judged on the Indian of the trees. Which tree are we holding onto? Which tree are we connected to? Through which lens do we view our Yiddishkeit? It's an obligation, it's a chore. Or it's the deepest invitation to intimacy, to closeness, to a friendship with a capital F that's going to hold us up through every single aspect of life, the good times and the bad times. There's no such thing as a perfect person and there's going to be difficulties. I bless us with a, with a sweet year in the context of which tree we're holding on to. That we could start from now. Let this be the bedrock of our engagement with Yiddishkeit in all of its multifarious forms and expressions. Every mitzvah we do, every tefillah we say, every black amara that we're zochah to learn. Intimacy. Shira shirin. A friendship. An everlasting love. L'chaim.
sure many of you know the word. But it's not just enough to sing it, we have to mama it with all of our hearts. When you fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. Hey, hey, I'm a new, 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 I'm
Amanti Lefanov, I stood in front of my soul master, Rabbeinu Nachman ben Fegas Chosir Gunaleinu, Laes Ereb, as the sun was setting, Samach Lutvilas HaMincha, Near time of Mincha and the Ukrainian silence, I don't know how many here were, uh, were Zohar to be there, but I bless us all to be in that place. And there's nothing, miles and miles and miles and miles, you're driving on this potholed road from like the 1600s. Miles of fields and silence, really silence. There are places in the world that are still silent. Can you imagine? And in that silence, at sunset, Samach Mincha, Rabbi Nachman is watching the sunset through the window. With an awesome, awesome expression of yearning, of longing. And they stood there in silence, Rebbe and Talmud, master and scribe. And then Rabbi Nachman gave a big sigh. And he said, What I have to accomplish in this world. But the day is passing and the sun is setting. Rabbi Nachman Sulayyar lived only till 39 years old. He was a young man. Every breath that he took, Every teaching that he taught was for all eternity. It's for you and me. Then in his lifetime, at the most he had, maybe six, seven hundred chassidim. In 2019, nearly 60,000 Jews came to his caver for Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Nachman says, How much I have to accomplish. That's the whole, that's the whole piece. And I think it's so deep because sometimes we're so wrapped up in ourselves and what we're going through and our own internal self-doubt and brokenness and worry and anxiety and fear and all that yucky stuff that we don't remember I said it before and I meant it. I really mean it. Each and every one of you can change the world. Change the world. We have so much to accomplish. over. We should hold them long and happy and healthy, Hashem. But even a full lifetime of 120 years, it's all too short. So I made up this little song, I'd like to sing it to you, with these words and then we'll dance.
אבי ימה, מה שיש לי לעשות, העולם הזה, מה שיש לי לעשות, העולם הזה, והנה היום, חובב וחובב, והנה היום. שיש לי לעשות, העולם הזה, אומר שיש לי לעשות, העולם הזה, והנה היום, חולף ועובר, והנה היום, חולף